Holy Father in heaven, thank you for giving us the privilege to be among the living today, knowing that it is not by our righteousness or holiness or goodness, but it is your great love bestowed upon us that has given us this privilege and this knowledge, Lord. We say may all praise, glory, honor, and adoration be unto your holy name now and forevermore. Lord, we understand that our lives have not been given to us to be used in dissipation. Like the things we've been studying, we understand that our life is not to be used to bring you to such a state where you would say that it repented you that you have made us. Therefore, Lord, we pray. As we go through our devotion, help us to get strength and power that we may live our lives in harmony with your will, that we may please you with every word and every thought. Equip us with this devotion. Put your words in my mouth. Grant me of your spirit that I may speak life to all who would listen. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. Conflict and Courage, February 3, after seven days. And it came to pass, after seven days, that the waters of the flood were upon the earth. Genesis chapter 7 verse 10 For seven days after Noah and his family entered the ark, there appeared no sign of the coming storm. During this period, their faith was tested. It was a time of triumph to the world without. The apparent delay confirmed them in the belief that Noah's message was a delusion and that the flood would never come. Notwithstanding the solemn scenes which they had witnessed, they still continued their sport and revelry, even making a jest of these signal manifestations of God's power. They gathered in crowds about the ark, deriding its inmates with a daring violence which they had never ventured upon before. At the end of seven days, clouds began to gather. This was a new sight, for the people had never seen clouds. Soon, rain began to fall. Still, the people tried to think that this was nothing very alarming. For a time, the ground drank up the rain, but soon the water began to rise, and day by day it rose higher and higher. Each morning, as the people found the rain still falling, they looked at one another in despair, and each night they repeated the words, raining still. The people first beheld the destruction of the works of their, their own hands, their splendid buildings and the beautiful gardens and groves which they had placed their idols were destroyed by lightning from heaven and the ruins were scattered far and wide. The terror of man and beast was beyond description. Above the roar of the tempest was heard the wailing of a people that had despised the authority of God. In that terrible hour, they saw that the transgression of God's law had caused their ruin. Yet, while true fear of punishment they acknowledged their sin, they felt no true contrition, no abhorrence of evil. They would have returned to their defiance of heaven had the judgment been removed. So 
when God's judgment shall fall upon the earth before it's deluged by fire. The impenitent will know just where and what their sin is, the despising of his holy law. Yet, they will have no more true repentance than did the old world sinners. Amen. The title of our devotion for today is After Seven Days. Our key text is taken from Genesis chapter 7 verse 10 which says, And it came to pass after seven days that the waters of the flood were upon the earth. Here we are coming to a conclusion of what we have been looking at concerning the antediluvians, that is those who lived before the flood. A lot of lessons have been learned, but I'd like to just make some connections so that we understand or have a clearer picture of the people who were involved, the main players in this particular story. If you look at the book of Genesis chapter 4, reading from verse 16 and 17, you'll find something remarkable. It says, And Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod, on the east of Eden. And Cain knew his wife, and she conceived and bare Enoch. And he builded a city and called the name of that city after the name of his son Enoch. So try and imagine what is going on here. We have read earlier in our devotion and seen that the sons of men or the daughters of men were from Cain's lineage and these were an evil people. Cain left the presence of the Lord, the Bible says. He was not a worshipper of God and he trained his children in the same manner not to regard God. And it was through them that evil filled the world. Now Cain gave birth to his first son, which most likely is going to be a counterpart, a contemporary to Seth, the son of Adam, who is older than who, I'm not sure, but most likely Seth might be older than Enoch. So here is the first Enoch appearing. The first Enoch is the son of Cain. And even worse than that, there is a city called Enoch. This city is the city of Cain. This city is the city that is going to be known for evil and for all unrighteousness. But then, when we go to the book of Genesis again, reading this time chapter 5, in the lineage of the children of Seth, we find that there is a man called Jared. Jared, when he had his own son, if we read Genesis chapter 5 from verse 18, it says, And Jared lived 160 and 2 years and he begat Enoch. So here comes in the second Enoch, the good old Enoch we know to be the righteous man. Why would Jared call the name of his son Enoch when there is a city known for wickedness also called Enoch? Just chew on that for a while, but that's not all. When we go again to Genesis 4 verse 18, it says Enoch was born, uh, that is this Enoch now is the first son of Cain. And Enoch gave birth to Erad, and Erad begat Mehujael, and Mehujael begat Methusael, and Methusael begat Lamech. So here we have another Methusael in Cain's lineage who gives birth to a son that is called Lamech. And then when we come to Genesis 5 verse 21, it says that Enoch gave birth, verse 20 says Enoch gave birth to a child called uh, Methuselah. And then when we look at Methuselah's child in Genesis 5 verse 25, it says, Methuselah lived 180 and 7 years and begat Lamech. 
So we have two Metusaels, Metusael and Metusela. Actually, they're actually different. Metusael and Metusela, Metusael and Metusela, both giving birth to children called Lamech. And these people are contemporaries. Remember that Methuselah and his son Lamech and his grandchildren, Noah and his other children, they were the ones building the ark. Now, while Methuselah, Lamech, Noah and their other children were building the ark, there was another Lamech in the land, the city of Enoch. This man was known for his evil. The Bible tells us that Lamech was the one who married two wives. And not only did he marry two wives, he killed people. So we have the righteous Lamech and the evil Lamech. So Noah, Lamech, Methuselah are preaching to another Lamech, Methusael. And who knows, maybe Enoch was still alive at the time that is the first son of Cain. Most likely he was because Adam was alive to even see the birth of Methuselah. So you can assume safely that the Enoch, the first son of Cain, most likely was alive because even Seth was alive at this time. It's good to understand this picture. Seth was alive. Adam was alive. That is why when we read the book of Genesis chapter 5 verse 28, it says, And Lamech lived an hundred eighty and two years and begat a son. And he called his name Noah, saying, This same shall comfort us, not comfort me, but comfort us concerning our work and toil of our hands because of the ground which the Lord had cursed so lamech gave his names his son a name that was collective he's not just the one who selected this name there was lamech methuselah adam seth these people were still alive and together understanding the prophecy that had come through enoch telling them that the world was going to be destroyed by a flood and they knew that the lord was going to do that they already knew that noah was a child of promise some people wonder and say Methuselah died under the flood, that the flood killed him. No, like, like we have said earlier, the meaning of the name Methuselah is his death shall bring judgment or his death shall bring the flood. Methuselah knew his life had a purpose and he gave birth to his child Lamech whose life also had a purpose and he gave birth to Noah and they all together said this is the child that will comfort us concerning our work and toil of our hands what work are they talking about what toil are they talking about it's not just the planting of the seed in the ground but the planting of the seed in the minds of the people who they have been preaching to before noah was even born you remember that enoch was a preacher of righteousness so was his son methuselah so was lamech so was adam so was seth if you remember in the book of genesis chapter 4 after seth was born that was when men began to call upon the name of the Lord. Genesis 4, reading from verse 25 and 26, it says, And Adam knew his wife again, and she bare a son and called his name Seth. And verse 26 says, And to Seth, to him also was born a son, and his name he was called Enos. Then began men to call upon the name of the Lord. Some people are confused, thinking that it was only Noah. No. These men, this line of holy men, calling upon the name of the Lord, looking forward to his promise. And finally, the child of promise Noah was born and he fulfilled his duty. Now, as we saw in our previous devotion yesterday, Noah had preached his last message and entered the ark. And then the, he was shut in by the Lord. And there the Lord had told him to stay there for seven days. Noah did not clamor. 
outside the ark were people like Lamech, the son of Cain, and his children Jubal, Tubal Cain, Jabal, his wives Zillah, and all their children, evil people, clamoring and mocking him, calling him a wild fanatic. As the days rolled by and no rain was falling, their, their clamor became greater, and they would beat at the ark like we read, mocking Noah more and more, making him feel like he was a wild fanatic, like he was wasting his time. Noah's faith was tested at this time because people were at that time saying, where is the promise of the coming of the Lord? As you said, nothing like that is happening. As the Bible says in Genesis 7 verse 11, in the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, the 17th day of the month, the same day were all the fountains of the great deep broken up and the windows of heaven were opened. These men standing outside the ark began to see the rain that Noah talked about. But before this was coming, Noah's faith was tested as we read in the devotion. So is this with us. You see, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. While we preach about the second coming of Jesus, there will be those who will mock and say, Where is the promise of his coming? Second Peter verse chapter 3, verse 5 and 6 talks about that. They would say, Oh, where is the promise of his coming? Since our fathers fell asleep, there has been no sign of his coming. So it was with Noah, his faith was tested. Should he come out of the ark? Should he stop believing that there was such a thing that he has preached for 120 years? Could it be that it was not true? Noah's faith was tested. But the Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews chapter 11 verse 7 says, By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. Amen. Noah, by faith, remained in that ark, knowing that he that had promised is faithful. The promise of the Lord are sure, and they will certainly come to pass. These scoffers thought that Noah was a wild fanatic. And so today there are scoffers who think that those who preach concerning the coming destruction of this world are wild fanatics. They would say that scientifically is not possible. They say religion is the opium of the masses. They say religion is just a drug they give people to make them calm down. And it is only foolish people that believe such nonsense. But only time will tell, just as it was in the days of Noah. Noah prepared and he was in his ark. And then they mocked. But after seven days, the fountains of the great deep were broken up and the windows of heaven were opened. And the rain was upon the earth forty days and forty nights. Reading Genesis chapter 7. Verse 16, it says, And they that went in, went in male and female of all flesh, as God had commanded him, and the Lord shut him in. And the flood was forty days upon the earth, and the waters increased, and bare up the ark, and it was lift up above the earth. And the waters prevailed, and were increased greatly upon the earth. And the ark went upon the face of the waters, and the waters prevailed exceedingly upon the earth. And all the high hills that were under the whole heaven were covered. Fifteen cubits upward did the waters prevail, and the mountains were covered. And all flesh died 
that moved upon the earth, both fowl and cattle and of beasts and of every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth and every man, all in whose nostrils was the breath of life, of all that was in the dry land, died. And every living substance was destroyed which was upon, which was upon the face of the ground both man and cattle and the creeping things and the fowl of the heaven and they were destroyed from the earth and noah only remained alive and they that were with him in the ark and the waters prevailed upon the earth and hundred and fifty days in order to understand why it was that water could cover the whole earth because some people might be wondering how could water cover the whole earth to the point that it covered the mountains 15 cubits upward if you remember in the book of genesis chapter 1 verse 6 and 7 in fact genesis chapter 1 verse 1 tells us in the beginning god made the heavens and the earth and verse 2 tells us and the earth was without form and void and that the spirit of the lord hovered upon the waters so water once filled this earth god did not vaporize it Reading Genesis 1 verse 6 and 7, it says, And God said, Let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. And God made the firmament, and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament, and it was so. And verse 9 says, And God said, Let the waters under the heaven be gathered unto one place, together unto one place, and let the dry land appear, and it was so. So the description of what the earth was like, water, we have the firmament, and the water surrounding the earth and water inside the earth so there was water above and under the earth it was this water under and above that came and destroyed the earth and that's why we read in the book of genesis chapter 7 verse 11 that the same day all the fountains of the great deep were broken up and the windows of heaven were opened which means the water above the earth poured down and the waters beneath the earth broke up if we read the book of second peter chapter 3 it tells us the same thing like i was saying earlier today we will still have mock mockers scoffers who would say where is the promise of his coming since the heavens uh, were created all things continue as they were verse 5 and 6 says second peter 3 verse 5 and 6 for this they are willingly ignorant of that by the word of God the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished so the description Peter gives here is that the world was standing out of water and in water there was water surrounding the earth and it was this water that broke the firmament and fell into the earth and the water underneath also came up that water that covered the earth before in the beginning once again covered the earth so that there was nothing left except noah and the ark and of course the sea creatures because the sea creatures were not destroyed god brought the world to the state almost the same state it was in genesis chapter 1 verse 2 where it was covered with water from beginning to end all through the earth was water what does this teach us let us not doubt God. Let us not doubt his power and the things that he says he will do, he will do. And again, when God says he will save us, let us believe it. In the last days, there 
there is going to be a people who the Lord will preserve for himself. And God knows how to do that. Some people wonder, how, how, how are you saying that there will be a select number that the Lord will prepare for himself? God knows how to do that. He made sure Methuselah, Lamech, and all the grandchildren, they all died before Noah entered the ark. Not that they were unrighteous people, but God only wanted Noah to enter the ark. And he made it to be so. Second Peter 2, reading from verse 4 to 9, tells us, For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment and spared not the old world but saved noah the eighth person a preacher of righteousness bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly then verse 9 says the lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished God knows how to do it, how to save his people from punishment and then punish those alone who are unjust. We can be in a place right now, destruction will come, God's people will be there, only them will be spared and every other person destroyed. So it was for Jeremiah when Nebuchadnezzar sent his army to destroy Jerusalem, Jeremiah was spared, most people destroyed. God knows how to deliver the godly out of temptation. Conflict and Courage, page 40, paragraph 4, tells us the people first beheld the destruction of the works of their own hands. You can imagine the people who had invested all their resources on this earth, Tubal, Cain, Jabal, Jubal, Lamech, and their kindred, all of them expecting their own in this world, with all their artifices, their arts, their achievements, these men of renown they saw their works destroyed so shall it be in the coming of the son of man men who have spent all their resources in this world building tall stately buildings and investing all their resources in this earth their splendid buildings and the beautiful gardens and groves where they had placed their idols were destroyed by lightning from heaven and the ruins were scattered far and wide the terror of man and beast was beyond description. Above the roar of the tempest was heard the wailing of a people that had despised the authority of God. Now take note of the next statement. In that terrible hour, they saw that the transgression of God's law had caused their ruin. End of quote. What was it that caused their ruin? The transgression of God's law. What was it that saved Noah? The obedience to God's law in faith righteousness by faith righteousness by faith but these people who would not render allegiance to god it brought their ruin proverbs 14 verse 34 righteousness exalted a nation but sin is a reproach to any people you see contained in all these words we've read is a testimony of what god can do god is not joking when he says he will do something he means exactly what he says and let us not trifle with him. In the book of Job 37, reading from verse 2, Hear attentively the noise of his voice and the sound that goeth out of his mouth. He directed it under the whole heaven and his lightning unto the ends of the earth. After it a voice roareth, he thundereth with the voice of his excellency, and he will not stay them when his voice is heard. God thundereth marvelously with his voice. Great things doeth he, which we cannot comprehend. For he said to the snow, Be thou on the earth, likewise to the small rain and to the great rain of his strength. He sealeth up the hand of every man, that all men may know his work. 
then the beasts go into dens and remain in their places out of the south cometh the well wind and cold out of the north by the breath of god frost is given and the breath of the waters is straightened also by watering he wearieth the thick cloud he scattereth his bright cloud and it is turned round about by his counsels that they may do whatsoever he commanded them upon the face of the whole world in the earth he causeth it to come whether for correction or for his land or for his mercy hearken unto this O Job, stand still and consider the wondrous works of God. Dost thou know when God disposed them and caused the light of his cloud to shine? Dost thou know the balancings of the clouds, the wondrous works of him which is perfect in knowledge? How thy garments are warm when he quieted the earth by the south wind. Hast thou with him spread out the sky, which is strong and as a molten looking glass? Verse 22, fair weather cometh out of the north, with God is terrible majesty. Touching the Almighty, we cannot find him out. He is excellent in power and in judgment, and in plenty of justice he will not afflict. Men do therefore fear him. He respecteth not any that are wise of heart. The Lord is great in power. And this, his exhibition of the destroying of the world, not something he did in pleasure, but like he said, it repented him that he had made man. This exhibition of power shows us what the Lord can do. My friends, let us not play with the threatenings of God. The threatenings of God are real. It is not just the promises of blessings that in the word of God that will be fulfilled. His threatenings will also be, be fulfilled. And let us take that into our mind. Job 22 verse 21, Acquaint now thyself with him, and be at peace. Therefore, good shall come unto thee. It is our duty to acquaint ourselves with the Lord, for that is the only way we can be delivered in the time of destruction. Noah, the preacher of righteousness, as we have seen, attained unto that righteousness which is by faith. Hebrews 11 verse 7. How did he attain to that righteousness by faith? Firstly, we also read that he was a preacher of righteousness. We are to be preachers of righteousness. And we are not to mock at God's threatenings. Those who mocked his threatenings after seven days, they saw that God was not joking. As the floods came, they ran helter-skelter, climbing mountains to protect themselves, and they climbed high hills thinking that the water would not get there, but the water kept on encroaching. Parents would drop their children on animals knowing that the animals would, with their animal instinct, would do everything to save themselves. Animals would cry, climb and climb to the highest hill, to the highest mountains, staying at the tip of it, expecting that the water will not get there, but oh no, days after days, the water kept coming. The water kept coming, lightning and thunder, all of it, showing their own majesty, destroying man and beast, and everyone eventually, as they got to the, as they got to the pinnacle of the mountain, you can imagine men like Tubal Cain, who had exhibited his own renown in the world. Men like Lamech who had said, I have slain two men, and anyone who slays me, a curse seven times shall be upon him, who married two wives. These men in their evil, trying to save themselves desperately, no one caring about the other, everyone trampling on each other. This is a picture of what it will be at the end of time.
we do not want to come to the end of our lives in regret. We do not want to resurrect and be on the side with Tubal-Cain and with, with Lamech, the son, the descendant of Cain. We don't want to be in that company. We want to be in the resurrection of the just. Or we want to be alive when Christ will come and be translated with him. That is where we want to be. The clamoring of these men is not something that anyone wants to experience. The pain, the agony, the regret in the mind saying, Oh, had I known. If only I had listened to Noah. If only I had just taken advantage of the messages that I had heard. If only I had allowed the Holy Spirit to touch my heart, I wouldn't be where I am today. I wouldn't be lost. Unfortunately, these words will be said by many. And I just hope that not someone who is listening to me now would say that. Not even myself. It is very solemn. It can be me. The most fearful thing I dread is to find myself in the second resurrection where it is the resurrection of the unjust and be among the wicked and see these men resurrect Tubal Cain, Lamech and Cain himself and all the wicked men of this world and I am there with them because I did not overcome my sins. Oh no, may the Lord not allow that to happen to any of us but we have a work to do. All the work is not in God's hands. We must work out our salvation with fear and trembling. We have the new Jerusalem to enter. Noah had the ark to enter. We have the new Jerusalem to enter. And we are told in Revelation 22 verse 14, Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life, and that they may enter in through the gate of the city. As Noah entered into the ark, we also can enter into the gate of the city and not be outside the city. For the Bible says, Revelation 22 verse 15, For without are dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers and all who love it and make it a lie. Let us not find ourselves without the city. Let us find ourselves in the city. And the only way we can find ourselves in the city is if, like Noah, we are preachers and leavers, people who live out righteousness keeping the commandments of God and doing all that is right in his sight. Oh, brothers and sisters, may this be our experience. Remember Romans 15 verse 4. Now, all things that were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. There is hope for all of us, and may we take advantage of that hope is my prayer. Amen. Let us pray. Dear loving Father in heaven, please help each and every one of us that we may not find ourselves outside the city. May we not experience that regret of knowing what could have been but is not, of knowing what we and where we could have been but yet we are not there. Help us Lord that as we make efforts to overcome our sins that you give us the grace that we will indeed overcome. Please do this for us and take the glory. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen.